Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Whiskey Raiders podcast. We are back for another episode. We will waste no time diving in today because John and I have a big episode for you. This is the uh, cream of the crop, the best whiskeys of the year, and the top of the flops. How you doing, John? I'm doing fairly well here. Uh, just skating past the end of a family-wide flu trip that was just great for everybody. But uh, that aside, I'm really excited about whiskeys of the year and talking about all the things that we've got to sip on and enjoy. You've had the flu enough this year. We should you should be ranking like flu strains at this point. Yeah, I think I, I if I were keeping a tally, it would be rather high. So I'm just going to pretend <laughs> that it didn't happen and move on past it and keep some 120 plus proof bourbon handy. There you go. Sanitize. Well, everyone, I know that this is the first season of the Whiskey Readers podcast. Uh, you can find John at the Bourbon Finder because he is a proprietor of the bourbonfinder.com and that's why we call him John from the Bourbon Finder. As always, I am Take from WhiskeyRaiders.com, uh, kind of your home of whiskey reviews and the Rotten Tomatoes of whiskey in general. So, you know, one of the reasons we rate whiskey is because at the end of the year, we want to tally it up and see who is the best. We tend to focus on who is the best and honorable mentions. Uh, there's enough bad whiskey out there that we try not to focus on it. We forget it and go into 2023 hoping it gets better. So we have a number of categories here tonight. We have a number of whiskeys, some John and I didn't really consult each other before putting these together, which is kind of the fun. So we'll see where we match up. We'll see where we differ. We'll see who comes out swing. One note, at least my reviews don't factor in price, although I did try and make sure that this wasn't just a ranking of the most expensive whiskeys released in 2022. I don't know about you, John. Did yeah, you uh, that's, have a logic there? It's good that you mentioned that. So when I am writing my reviews and when I'm rating whiskeys and going through, I've I've pretty much always mentioned that I think value is as subjective or more subjective than flavor and something that I think tastes amazing. Some other person might think is average or poor, whatever, that's fine. But something that I think is a good value might not also resonate with somebody else. And you know, there's so many factors to each side of that, that it just seems like such a muddy way to do any reviewing. So like you, I keep pricing and value out of the equation that said coming back around to the end of the year you don't just want to have a all-star list of these are the top most expensive things and they were really good because they're really expensive that would no, not serve the same purpose so for me there's definitely some spendy stuff on the list but i like to ultimately choose my whiskey of the year bringing value in as a minor criteria so i do like to bring in something that you know surprised me the most or i thought was the greatest or that I went back to and bought 50 of or something stupid like that. Damn. But those aren't things that you're going to be able to do with a crazy expensive or super, super limited run of something. So mixing in a little bit of rarity, a little bit of higher price. Sure. That's going to be there. But uh, at the end of the day, it's all about what's really, really fucking good. And that is what <laughs> I'm here for. <laughs> I think there is no better way to start out than that. So without further ado, which uh, which category should we tackle? Should we just start right here at the top? Uh, yeah, sure. Let's, uh, oh yeah, right in our document here. Let's go through this thing. Um, so I'm excited to see which of these are surprises. And I'm not going to read ahead too far because I don't want to see what you've done. But yeah, let's. Yeah, that's the hard with, part, right? Uh, it's like putting together the plan but like trying not to see what you wrote. right don't want to cheat and skip right to the bottom um, so some of these are going to like you said you're going to be posting your list here soon 
Mine is already on the bourbonfinder.com, so you could find those on there. I did a, a little bit more in-depth than we're going to do here. I broke down categories and sort of did a top 10 on the major categories, and then top five on some smaller categories, and then named an ultimate whiskey of the year, which we'll talk about here. So first category Ooh. of this whiskey of the year for 2022 is finished whiskey. Oh, yeah. So finished whiskey is a whiskey that is produced either by a distillery and then put in a second type of barrel. So whether you're finishing in French oak or double oak or toasted oak or a wine barrel or anything, this category goes out to any whiskey that was distilled somewhere, removed from its original barrel. Maybe it was blended. Maybe it was taken single barrel straight to a new single barrel wine cask or something of that nature. And then um, aged for a period of time and then dumped and bottled from there. So I think I'm actually... I'm surprised we're starting just heavy hitters. I know we said that we were, it wasn't just going to be a museum <laughs> of artifacts, but this one goes out to Boss Hog from Whistlepig, uh, the ninth release Siren Song, which was, uh, we'll, we'll post the video link. I think this video was one where John and I just kind of like lost our minds because this was probably the most interesting whiskey I've drank in the last three, four years. It's crazy. Hands down. This was, I mean, on my first sip of this, I think, uh, aside from swearing, the only thing that come out of my mouth was just like, wow, what is this? Like, there are so many questions that come to mind when I start getting into something that unique and that fun. And that expression did it all, man. That was an absolute winner. I knew, I think I even might have said it in our video review, which is, I think, about the third time I had tasted it, maybe the fourth. And I was already knowing that it was going to be a contender for a Whiskey of the Year material. Ultimately, something like price is going to keep it out of my final whiskey of the year announcement. But sure, it, it's the best finished whiskey I tried. It, most certainly all this year, but in a number of years combined, it may be the best I've ever had as far as finished whiskey goes. Absolutely. Yeah. Top notch. I mean, technically speaking, so guys, the details on that it is a 17 year rye finished in fig nectar and scratch made tentura casks released by Whistlepig at Cast Strength. I want to say it's 599 629-ish dollars, 699 based on your market. I've seen it all over the place. Um, John's given me the digits. It it's it is no slouch on price. It is also no slouch on flavor. So we agree. Best uh, of the finished whiskeys. Where are we headed next? Let's move on to let's talk about craft producers next. All right. Name a, a top-tier craft producer that stood out to you this year, whether it was for the number of expressions they're doing or just sheer you know, punch you in the mouth effect like the whistle pig. What's the top of your list there for craft producer? Definitely. So I, I'm really surprised to be talking about this producer because years ago I had one of their first products and I swore that I would never drink anything from this distillery again. I swore that I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever had. I will never go back. Um, and years later, here we are. It's a real Cinderella story. I guess it's a real turnaround. It's a real uh, kind of glow. But I am naming Starlight Distillery in Huber, Indiana, uh, my craft producer, of the year it really says no shortage of endorsement i bought like 20 single barrels from them this year so clearly i like something that's going on there but their straight whiskeys are incredible compared to where they were five six seven years ago they've got a real handle on the market they've got a real handle on what bourbon drinkers want to drink today and every time i go there i taste something that's new and exciting and really you know gets me excited about the craft whiskey category all over again and for that reason they are my top for this year how about you yeah, I, I take that. That's a good explanation on where they've grown. And I think, I mean, nothing could really be a bigger endorsement than the number of barrels 
we i mean we bought like what eight when we were there in may and then you went back and bought it like another eight or ten i mean yeah i think we bought, yeah i think we we selected eight because i was like oh we're gonna do 16 this year so we'll do eight and eight and then okay, i yeah. ended up there a third time and bought five more or something i mean right. it for me it is like a, the adult version of Candyland. they're a farm with a big playground so they're also the kid version of Candyland, and they have a farm shop with lots of candy but as far as whiskey goes if you have a whiskey you like, you will find it probably at Starlight. That's for sure. Yeah, we definitely had a hell of a time there. Uh, it was a great spot. Uh, so my craft producer this year uh, is, so this is a little bit funny, is right in your backyard. Um, Driftless Glen is who I'm going to talk oh, about. Hey. I think that when I start looking at who is a craft producer, I mean, I have pumped the tires of brands like New Rib and Chattanooga. And there's you know plenty of other great producers that are fairly small but looking to grow and doing so at a great rate. And when I compare them to somebody who's on a much smaller scale, like Driftless Glen, who is still able to turn out some really great whiskeys and some really cool, like even like limited editions, which you, when you get into a small brand like Driftless Glen, a limited edition from this brand is like really fucking limited. So <laughs> it's like 200 bottles. Right, yeah. <laughs> if you get a chance to try one of these, you've done really, really well. And I thought that, uh, I think you picked one of their first single barrels too, didn't you? I picked, yeah, it, it definitely wasn't like one of their first couple, but it was very early on. It was back in 2019. Gosh, it was number two and three for the single barrel yeah, program. It was a um, while back. And I remember at that point thinking it was, hey, like this is good stuff. This show's promise. Let's see where this goes. And this year trying some of their limited edition stuff thinking like, hey, holy shit, th they did it. Yeah. Like this is where they're at. They've grown into a great spot. So uh, I like to tip the hat to them. That's that's a great call out. I do. I was actually just up there a couple of weeks ago, on uh, some top secret business, uh, tasting some stuff. And uh, you know everything they're doing, I love how thoughtful they are about it. Like if you can be like, hey, what's this barrel going to be? And they're like, well, we think it's going to go here for these reasons, and it's this old, and we're going to hold it for this length. And I think they're they're killing it. I love them. And like I said, you know, picked one of their earliest barrels. I think that went out outside of the state. And goodness, they got some good whiskey. Definitely. Let's move on now and start talking about the best new brand. So not necessarily like a craft producer. You know, this may be right. somebody who is an NDP, uh, not distilling their own product there. Blending, batching, wh whatever else kind of falls outside of the craft producer or craft distiller section. Let's talk about your best new brand. Okay, so this one I think is uh, is going to be a little contentious, but I'm ready to stick with my guns. That's kind of the fun with this. So 2022 saw just just a deluge of brand new brands, and whether people uh, were sourcing, uh, you know, from other producers, whether they're a new distillery or a new brand or a new label or or whatever, this is kind of that category. So I'm going to go ahead and name. I really enjoy what Blue Run is doing. I think that they catch a lot of flack because they're kind of expensive, but overall. Uh, you know, this is a brand that knows their audience. This is a brand that knows their branding. And this is a brand that kind of knows how they're going to sell whiskey. And they have stuck to it through thick and thin. And honestly, the whiskey is pretty great. I've had the uh, the Blue Run High Rye Bourbon is the one I'm specifically calling out here. This is the one that made me think, oh, goodness, you know, well, let's keep an eye on these folks. But then I brought the Alpine Meadow from their flight series over to me in Greece because it showed up right before I left. And I was like, crap, if I'm going to review this, like, guess it's coming on the plane and that was a pretty good sip too so whether you love them or hate them this is my new brand to watch my new brand of the year and you know with jim rutledge they got shaylin 
and they got a new $50 million distillery coming online. I think they have it all. I think they're going to go far and I'm, I'm curious to see where they go. Yeah, they get it all and they get a lot of room to grow. I mean, it's not unlike Whistlepig if you want to look back to, uh, you know, a decade-ish back. Right. They're doing extremely similar things coming in with Think the high about price point. Coming in with how much trouble liquid. you and I could get into with $50 million. Oh, I could get into a lot of trouble with like 50 bucks, let alone 50 million. Yeah, I mean, think about how many different things we'd like meet up for dinner. I'd be like, guess what I bought today? And as you're trying to think of like, I don't know, did he get like a watch? Did he buy a car? I'd be like, distillery. We're making whiskey tomorrow. Get ready. Uh, uh, I mean, it, it could happen. We won't write off. If you, uh, if you have $50 million you would like to give John and I and see what happens, we will take it. But I'm curious to know, what is your best new brand, John? So for me, it's going to be Pursuit United, and specifically oh. the Rye Batch Seven CC really oh, kind of spoke to me. I mean, I have done damage to bottles of that. It has likewise done damage back to me, but <laughs> it is all fair and it is all good. Um, I think that what the guys from Bourbon Pursuit and ultimately Pursuit Spirits have done with their brand is really cool they've rolled out actually they just rolled out the new oh, collection i'm gonna yeah fuck up the name of it because i haven't actually read the press sheet yet i'm excited to get into that but the rye batch 7cc if you haven't had this stuff man please try to track it down that i think is a really really good expression of rye and it's really cool what they're doing with their blending and batching so i gotta give it to them uh it's just for me one of the coolest new things that came out this year from a newer brand that's a great call out and i maybe next year we'll do it but most surprising whiskey and it's not because i expected it to not be good but i was amazed i was like oh yeah you know um you know moderately aged rye uh moderate proof i'm sure it's going to be good and i was like holy cow this is this is truly great so surprisingly good that's that's an awesome call out yeah that one really spoke to me man that was uh just an absolutely killer batch of rye i can only imagine as their you know source products get older and their reach extends a little bit what they're going to be able to put together i'm excited for it yeah i feel like the pursuit united plane is just starting to leave the runway like a lot of people think they're full speed and i just don't think we're there yet all right so we've got a couple more categories to touch on obviously we want to do bourbon and rye but uh do you want to tuck in like a let's do like an american whiskey or other whiskey if you will something that doesn't necessarily fall into the direct category of a bourbon or a rye, you know, either because of the finishing or the mash bill or whatnot. Definitely. So this this category kind of exists because these lists are really freaking hard to put together. And, you know, we, some of these products were like, oh, does, is it the best finished or but it's also a rye, you know, so it doesn't go in rye. And so kind of this gives us the room to spotlight, you know, someone who's up and coming in the American whiskey culture. And that's whether they do just bourbon or just rye or they're bringing in American light whiskey and all that kind of stuff. So my my kind of call out, I guess this could be like most surprising category as well. But, um, you know, so an American whiskey or another whiskey that's coming from America here, um, I'm calling out Penelope's Valencia, which let me tell you, squeaked in right before the deadline. I think that thing came in like four weeks ago. And this is a four grain bourbon that is finished in Vino de Naranja, uh, which is a sweet uh, white wine that's macerated on orange. 
and that one blew me away. It's not barrel proof. It's a finished whiskey. It's pretty young, and I was surprised at it, just how extremely well this drank. And that, to me, kind of highlighted what Penelope is doing and, and kind of the handle that they have on, you know, they know the whiskey they have, they know what it works well with, and they're still pushing some boundaries. So that's kind of my call out. They've been doing a lot of stuff lately. Most of it's been a hit for me, and I I love that. I My bottle's disappearing quickly, which says a lot for me because I usually have a couple pours and come back to it like the next year. So that was a big hit for me. Yeah, I think it's interesting that we uh, we both wound up going with Penelope here. Uh, oh, really? It, it was their Founders yeah. Reserve, their light whiskey they rolled out this year. And I think it was really cool. I mean, I'm just a big fan of a lot of these either American whiskeys or light whiskeys that we are seeing pop up around the markets. And I think the price point is great on this. I think the flavors are great. It, it's got a ton of that, you know, like the uh, waffle cone, butterscotch, really cool vanilla vibes to it. I just think it was flavorful, fun. I mean, a ton of proof. Rip your face off if you're looking for that. Yeah. It's just overall one of the ones that kind of moved me. And I think it's great that we both picked Penelope for this. I kind of laughed at that actually when <laughs> I was looking through our notes here and I was like, oh shit, well, here we go. We're just uh, that, beating this That is funny. Here. And I mean, th- that one, I like that one as well. That one had some pretty good age. It was like, what, 13, 13 years? I think it was 13 years, yes. Yeah, what, what a great spot. So yeah, I guess I'm not super surprised we both picked up on Penelope, but talk about, they've thrown a lot of, sp- like the most educated spaghetti I've seen thrown in a single year between the architect, which was French Oak, the light whiskey, you know, the different finishes. Rose is always a killer. Uh, you know, we had some awesome projects with them too. So we kind of got to see the whole gamut of what they brought to market. So great call out. I I'm, I'm glad we agreed because Penelope, there's some cool dudes. Educated spaghetti might be the word of the day here, folks. So stay tuned to see if that comes up again ever in your life. I mean, you think about like some brands just will throw anything and see what works. But I feel like, you know, they they go, oh, hey, we're releasing this thing. And I say, what? Like, why? And then they have a spiel for it. It's kind of like Barrelcraft Spirits where you're like, you expect a novel of justification and it totally makes sense. You're like, okay, yeah, I'm on board. But educated spaghetti. Okay. Educated spaghetti, folks. I dig it. Let's move into the larger categories here. The ones where there's a lot of competition. And then, you know, we'll probably mm. do some... Uh, I don't want to say honorable mentions, but like other bottles that don't necessarily take home the award, but are worthy of a lot of discussion. So Right. The ones that cause me like pain to leave out. We'll yeah, put it exactly. Way. The ones that are stressing me out here. The ones that keep you <laughs> up at night. All right. What are you thinking? Let's first hit rye, then close out with bourbon, and then finally touch on our actual whiskey of the years. That sounds great. We got to, uh, not to leave the people hanging, but rye, you've got... I'm. I'm a little surprised to see this year. Talk to me. Okay, so I did pick Pursuit United Rye as my overall rye of the year. It just was... Wow. I went back to so many times and couldn't get away from. And it really just kind of stood out to me. And this is because I sort of left... You know, I didn't include like finished rye in this category. This is just straight rye for me. So that might have been some of the influence that I had going with it. But I mean, it was just something that... I couldn't stay off it. Okay. I mean, it makes sense. This was a great rye. It is kind of funny that you picked this rye because, you know, sometimes you and I were writing the script for these episodes and we give ourselves the segues because, like, when you toss the softball, like, you can make it easy for yourself. But in this one, I know Kenny and Ryan, when they were making Pursuit uh, United Rye, 
they were hoping to kind of topple that Michter's uh, flavor profile, which leads right into the rye that I selected, which is Michter's, uh, Michter's sorry, barrel strength rye for this year. Yeah. Which I thought was just phenomenal. And it's not really a huge surprise. For me, it's hard to get Michter's every year. So sometimes like I don't have it for a couple of years because it's kind of tough to track down. But every time I find a new bottle, and I'm no Michter's fanboy, like I go have a drink there sometimes when I'm in town, but I pass over most of the Michter's I see, even the M10s and stuff like that. But the barrel strength rye, just, yeah, it just scratches the perfect itch. And that's my rye of the year. I'm with you, man. Actually, Michter's barrel strength rye is almost always in my top three favorite rye. It's so consistent. It, it is. It's so good. It's extremely good rye, especially like, and I don't usually dig the Kentucky rye style that much. I like right. those bigger, bolder, Alberta-style ryes where it may be leaning out of a sweet profile and into something that's a little bit more aggressive. I think uh, we might even call it like a Grinch whiskey or something to that effect <laughs> once once upon a time. <laughs> I like my ryes to really mean it when they're being a rye. Uh, that's funny. Michter's, just for me, is so good. I always buy this when I see it available. It's one that I have a hard time leaving, and it's one that I had a hard time deciding, like, does Pursuit United beat this? And for me, ultimately, it did this year. So you're right. If that's what they were looking for, as far as I'm concerned, they did it. Yeah. And I mean, uh, some people are like, man, Take, you definitely have a type. And I would agree because it's usually Michter's Barrel Strength Rye and Thomas Handy, which are both lower rye content, kind of high proof, middling ages. I can't get enough. But, uh, you know, it's it's a great rye. If you can find it, you're lucky. I certainly can't find it all the time. And, and it's my job to drink whiskey. So, uh, you know, that tells you something about the availability of it. But uh, what do you say? Should we move on? I guess this kind of we're getting towards the end here. Let's should we move into bourbon? Yeah, let's do it. Um, I'll go ahead and kick the door down with mine here. And then yeah. we'll see. Yeah, from here, we could just shape it up to uh, the final. Well, I'm going to start a riot and it's just going to keep going. So I'm we good. may as well I'll, yeah, I'll I like throw ourselves going. down the mountain. So for me, uh, overall bourbon of the year was Electric Craig Bale Proof Batch C922. We tried this on uh, Weekly Whiskey on Damn YouTube. Batch. We rolled this video out and we had, I think, pretty resounding comments coming back. People saying that they love this one too. This was just a damn fine expression of bourbon. It is weird that you and I would agree this much. And if this bottle didn't exist, I would totally be on the Elijah Craig train as well. It amazes me how consistent they've gotten the Elijah Craig barrel proofs and the Larceny barrel proofs. Like, mm. you know, Heaven Hill... Uh, as, as a heritage brand is definitely, you know, a, a small heritage producer at heart, but they are a factory of whiskey when the rubber meets the road and they are just doing something lately that is keeping these barrel proof expressions just on point. They're awesome. They're flavorful. you it, I've been hearing stories like people can find them easier and easier lately, which is kind of not what I expected, but, um, some people dropped me an email and said like, Hey, like Elijah Creek barrel proof has been on the shelf for like four days now. And I haven't seen that in years. And I, I was like, you know, that's pretty cool. But uh, that's a perfect segue into mine, which I think we could kind of consider the older, bigger, bolder, older brother. Um, in my bourbon of the year, I'm sorry in advance, was the Heaven Hill 17-year Heritage Collection. Um, talk about flavor. This was, I haven't had this year's George T. Stag. I really hope to. I want to put these toe-to-toe, -to -toe, but this was such an incredible bourbon for me that really showed that Heaven Hill could push those hyper-aged whiskeys like they used to be able to. And man, just a heavyweight. Like it left me speechless. You and I drank it. We loved it. I drank oh, yeah. it some more. I loved it. 
and for someone who drinks as much whiskey as I do every year, like this was a whiskey that just stood out to me from the day it showed up to even now, like when I want to pour, I'm like, oh man, I want more of that 17 year. And I'm like, I'm on, I'm on the dregs. Like I am on empty. I got to save a little bit of it, but talk about a killer whiskey. And, you know, I make fun of people that say stuff is like, you know, cause people will pick a single barrel and be like, you should buy this. It's a George T stag killer. It's better. And it's half the price. No, this is George T. Stag killer if I've ever seen it, and yeah. it's damn good. Oh, absolutely! This is a tremendous bourbon. This to me was anytime you've had an Elijah Craig eighteen or one of those higher age dated products come out that you just kind of wish there was a little bit more guts to it. Uh, right. You know, even at, like the old Fitz line or any of those that get to be way up there in age statements but you just kind of feel like they're missing a little bit of punch this did all of it this brought in everything the flavor the proof the finish i mean overall a totally killer product and i i had a hard time myself thinking like what did better than that and did i like elijah Craig right. barrel proof more than this <laughs> directly like in a head-to-head comparison no but again you know factoring in a little bit of that value factor Sure. is what ultimately puts and like i think also this c922 batch was i think a standout from their recents which is saying something too because their recent products have all been really freaking good too so for yeah. this one to st- stood out there i think I-, I think these are two opposite but equal choices there for us and i didn't feel too bad you know the msrp i think was what 279 dollars. like it was steep compared to george t stag sure it wasn't like Rabbit Holes Navalier, which was $700 right. and 16 years old. So I, I felt pretty good. I understand that this is hard to find and that the secondary is just freaking ridiculous. But if you find it for 270 bucks or even 300 350 uh, you better bite. Crazy good bourbon. Yeah, I think well worth the price of admission there. That, that's a, a totally good bottle. Um, let's take one more step and go to... The overall whiskey of the year, the number right. one, the head honcho. the big guns. This, what, uh, what do you got? This is this is what I wanted to put in finished whiskey, but then I realized that if I put it in finished whiskey, it meant that I couldn't put it in the whiskey of the year. And this all year for me, if, you know, whiskey of the year for me is usually the hardest because you have a couple hundred whiskeys and you have to figure out which one's perfect. Thankfully, I drank this back in February and I gave it a perfect score, and I thought, okay. A little early for a perfect score in the year, but this deserves it. Oh, and hey, now I don't have to worry about whiskey of the year. Uh, and I drank it every month for the last 10 months since I had it in February. I was like, no, this is still definitely it. And I have to give this to Seagrass is a gray label whiskey. This is that $250 version of Seagrass, that rye whiskey we know and love. This is, I believe, 15-year age stated, all Canadian component, same great finishes. What a bruiser. It has been since 2016 that I gave out a 10 out of 10 on Whiskey Raiders. This is the big dog for me, and uh, it's not even close. This is Whiskey of the Year, Seagrass Gray Label, all the way. Yeah, uh, the only thing that, uh, it's 16 year, not 15, but the only thing that- Even I, better. I think Right, it just got a little cooler. Uh, <laughs> the only thing about this that held me back is just like, man, if that hit more shelves, I'd probably be right there with you. And like, yeah, again, that's factoring in a little bit of value and availability. Um, I did not do what you did. And like, so you were like really judicious in your selections and putting the right things in the right categories. I actually pulled in my bourbon of the year as my overall whiskey of the year winner. And I'm going with Elijah Craig barrel proof C9. Oh, damn. 
it's just, I think for me, it's the do it all bourbon. And I know that year round, year in and out, really, we say this, it's 12 year age stated, uncut, unfiltered, nationally distributed, delicious bourbon. It does everything. And I know that this isn't going to be the same in every market, but it is on the shelf right now for 60 bucks. I could just go buy a bottle of it. I know that's not the same everywhere, but come on, like find me a better option. It's not the best budget bourbon out there, but goddamn, it's damn near the best value for me. And I know that that's subjective, but I think overall what this thing does and what it accomplishes, I mean, this sets the bar for like, you don't get a product like Russell's Reserve 13, which I'll speak about again in a minute. You don't get a product like Russell's Reserve 13 coming out just on a whim. You get something like that coming out to be like, okay, we need to do some uh, serious hand-to-hand combat here. And we're fighting right. against a Titan that is Elijah Craig barrel proof. So we have to do something bigger and better. And so I think that 13-year-old age statement is a direct shot at Elijah Craig barrel proof. And with all things that's like that, with all things like that on the shelf, you don't see more competition in other brands trying to compete for that same space. So for me, I think that's the king. That is a great call. I mean, yeah, what a great whiskey. I love it. It always does really well. You know, I, I think I gave the last three batches all unanimous eight out of tens. Like that that is high marks. And then you remember, yeah, it's 12 years old. You can actually find it. It's 60 to 80 dollars. Like it's 80 bucks here in Wisconsin. And that is uh I mean, what what a great deal. I think the only deal you get better is Knob Creek 12 at 65, but you right. lose some proof because that's 100 proof. So if you want big, bad, and bold. The Elijah Craig is the way to go, and it's it's not quite budget because it is kind of punching close at a hundred bucks. But for what you get in the current landscape of whiskey, I can totally see why this would be your number one. Yeah, there's a lot to offer there, which I think is just it, it does the things that I need it to, and it does them all so well that for me, it's just it's got to be the number one. But there are a lot of things like I just <laughs> mentioned, Russell's Reserve, that are like screaming for that same slice of attention, right? Yeah. This, this was a hard year, and that's a good problem to have as far as I'm concerned, because some you know, some years it feels like a little slimmer pickings or like a year where everyone does the same thing. And this year was like a shotgun start at that weird work function golf course where no one knows where they're going and everyone, you know, picks a direction and to their credit they stay with it. And we saw a lot of different whiskey in general. I want to call it a couple. I know we uh, we agree on a few, disagree on a few. We kind of, you know, had different thoughts, but Starting, you know, for me, since it was my whiskey of the year, I want to talk about the gold label seagrass. I liked it a lot, but I felt like it was for those fans of more oak. So tremendous whiskey, but could not unseat the gray. I called that out specifically because the number of emails I got, they were like, so take. Now that you gave the gray label a 10, is the gold label going to be a 12 out of 10 or like an 11 out of 10? And personally, I was like, Ooh, this is stressful. What if it is better? I this hasn't happened. This is the stress that comes with giving it a perfect score. But uh, I'm not a big oak guy. I like the gray better. So that's that's where I'm placing the gold seagrass. So get two of the gray instead. Um, moving, I, you know, you didn't really have any counterpoints there. There's a lot of old whiskey in our list, though. The more I look, like there is old whiskey. You've got the Russell's 13, which I think was to take on those Stag Juniors, those Elijah Craig barrel proofs. Um, and then I'm trying to think, you know, Maker's Mark. What a strong showing from those guys. I know yeah, I'm surprised that it didn't come in our tops at all. Um, but the BRT series, I haven't had it yet. What did you think? 
Uh, I really dig it, actually. I like both. I haven't done them side by side blind to see if I have a preference one over the other. But I will tell you that my wife made some cookies last night. They're like a brown butter spice bourbon cookies with the BRT02. And these are hands down the best cookies I've had. Oh, man. Oh, uh, makers, you get that going for you, which is great. Keep that up. Um, I'm excited to keep following the evolution of that wood finishing series. I think they've been doing a good job. Uh, their cask strength is always is killing killing everything. I love going. the cast strength. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, good. It, it's hard because they. I think they released eight batches in 2021. I don't think they actually released any like 2022 batches. They might might just have started squeaking them out. But for for value all day, if you can't find stuff like Weller Foolproof, and we've done a whole video on that too, right? Like, why aren't you just buying? You know, Maker's Mark cast strength thirty nine ninety nine. Like, what a deal! Yeah, what what more do you need done at that price point, right? Absolutely. So yeah, other things that kind of floated around in there for me, um, going back to Wild Turkey a little bit here, is rare breed bourbon. I think that that represents so much value. Um, it doesn't come in with an age statement. It is chill filtered. I mean, it's not quite the Elijah Craig comparison, but man, at an SRP of fifty bucks. For a product that is, one can assume, six to ten-ish year blended whiskey, or sorry, bourbon blended together. It is really, really good. It's one that all the time when somebody asks me, hey, I've tried a few bourbons. I really like it. Which one should I try next? I just always want to serve up, like, have you tried Rare Breed yet? If not, yeah, easy that sell. is the answer. Just go buy one. You'll find it wherever you are. It'll be 50-ish bucks, and I will be really shocked if you don't like it. Yeah, for me, Rare Breed is weird in that I loved the old batches, didn't particularly enjoy the ones, you know, coming out like 2010-ish, and the newest batch is just slaying for me. It's so good. And in a world where some of the Wild Turkey expressions are like rolling availability, it's always around here, and Costco has it for 59 which feels totally fair to me. Yeah, Super it, good I mean, depending on your market, too. I've seen, I've got this in New Hampshire for as low as thirty six ninety nine, and that's like Man. no tax, no deposit, like... I felt like I was stealing. giving it away. Yeah, felt like I was stealing something. I just <laughs> saw somebody this week, or within the last week, I should say, posted. Uh, they caught it on sale for thirty nine ninety nine, and I was like, "You better be buying four or five of those because you're basically getting free whiskey at that point." Yeah, and and I'm not a person to encourage people to stock up, but it it almost be irresponsible because anyone can go by rare breed, right? Like it's not right. like you're taking the opportunity away. If you like that and you have a great opportunity to get it and you know you're going to drink it over the next six years, like, damn, what a deal. Yeah, great find, great steal. Uh, another one that I wanted to mention uh, that kind of stood out, and you tried this before I did originally, and you made a comment to me that we haven't even spoke about this yet. You told me that when you first tried this, that it reminded you of the oldest Knob Creek single barrel stuff that you used to get. And you were telling me how much this stuff slaps and I got to open it up. I got to check it out. And I was like, okay, well... <laughs> If it's that good, I'm sure I'll like it. I'll get around to it. And for whatever reason, like there was a number of months before I cracked this thing open. I think it just fell funny on our review schedule. And Stellum Black Bourbon, I thought the original Equinox blend number one of their uh, black label stuff just like totally hit me. I was like, wow, this is really nice. This really does kind of have some of those older Knob Creek vibes. I see what you were saying when you were mentioning that to me. And so I was just like super pumped about the uh, Black Label Stellum. Yeah, the Black Labels, I love them. I know a lot of folks have been confused about what 
Stellum is doing, you know, like what the hell am is Stellum up to? And we, we've got a video queued up for that uh, where we'll specifically dig into that brand. But overall, when you consider the quality you're getting for the price, it's still kind of a no-brainer in my mind. I love um, the Fibonacci was also great. You know, they've, they've got a lot of these nebulous naming conventions that make sense if you ask someone at the company, like, hey, why did you call it that? But overall, the whiskey is just killer. And it explains why Stellum has been on a tear lately. I know this stuff is just selling like hotcakes and great call out. Like really, really surprising quality. Like we enjoyed the regular Stellums, um, but some of these black labels have been just killer. Yeah, totally. I, I was super impressed by that. So I wish I'd opened that one sooner, but if I had, it would have been gone really fast. So <laughs> I think that one came in on like what we call vacation season, where you and I both disagree on when to leave, and then none of us are in the studio at the same time for like six weeks. So yeah, it gets ugly. I'm not surprised. <laughs> uh, so other mentions here that I had on my list was uh, the tenth batch of Colonel E.H. Taylor Barrel Proof Bourbon. Yeah, the 127.3 proof. That one really stood out to me. That grabbed me right by the face and said, hey, wake up, asshole. This is something you need to focus on. And I did. Uh, that was, I think, one of the best ones. I tried remembering the last four-ish expressions of it, and I don't think any one of them mm -hmm. came quite so close as this. Yeah. Uh, Colonel E.H. Taylor's barrel proof is hard for me. It is really stinking hard to get everywhere, I understand, right. but especially here in Wisconsin, just because... Very little comes here, and, and I understand. So, you know, I there's no reason I should deserve to get one. But I got lucky and won one this year. I don't think I've had batches. Gee, I haven't had all of the recent ones, but I did open up a batch four that I just sent some to uh, to Dan. And I side-by-side -side this, and this was almost as good as some of those really early batches oh, cool. to me. And it, it really blew me away because I thought, well, is this blowing me away because I just haven't had it for a while? And so I went and dug some old stuff out of the archive, out of, out of the bunker, and was like, oh, no, this is this is really slapping. And I know it's weird to be like, yeah, this super hard to find thing is actually good because a lot of people you know, either agree that it's good because they had to kill themselves to get it or vice versa. But right. that is some good bourbon. It, it wasn't quite the top for me, but I was impressed. That was really good. Yeah, I would love to put this at the top. There were just so, much, so many things going on. And like you said, the availability alone has to keep this away from being my number one. But God damn, was it nice. It was, I think, one of the best things that I've had from Buffalo Trace in, a, in quite a while. I mean, as yeah, far as, like not antique collection stuff, but, you know, it was like fairly regularly released, like once a year kind of thing they do. It's, I just thought it was really cool. It, yeah, it deserves every bit of the honorable mention. And so does our final one. And we'll close out the episode here. Um, Sealbox Private Reserve 15 year. This one's fun because John and I were talking about it about a week ago. Mine came in actually the other night. I had a chance to taste it, and we agree. This is a huge thumbs up for me. It was expensive. It was not particularly plentiful. Uh, I didn't put it in the top because I think like 200 half bottles existed at 150 bucks a pop. Right. But what a cool release, and what a just raw and powerful like cherry bomb, like cocoa cake of a whiskey. I, I know this one, this one has to be honorable mention because so few people get to try it, but if you have the chance to pick up a seal box private reserve. They're always doing something kind of interesting, cool, weird. Um, but this was the bruiser of the year for sure. And in a good way, I think. Oh, absolutely, man. I'm so glad that I bought that. I didn't, I don't think we coordinated, coordinated on that at all. I wasn't sure if you were going to buy one or not, but when it was released, I was like, well, I should probably get one of those. I, I think it's going to be up my alley. And it came in, I tried it. I like was totally impressed by it. Came back to it again the next night. And then I finally had to send you a message like, 
hey, did you buy one of these? Because <laughs> you probably should have bought one of these if you didn't. It is really goddamn nice. Yeah, and I give you the like, of course I did. My finger slipped, and before I knew it, I'd blacked out, and I bought this and some other stuff because that's just how we buy whiskey these days. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm super pumped about this one. Really glad to uh, have picked up one of the little 375 mil bottles. Uh, really dig it. Yeah, so... Overall, we have a huge array of whiskey. We've got whiskey in small bottles. We've got tall bottles, high proof, low proof finishes, high price, low price. I mean, I'm really thankful capping up this year. You guys can expect uh, by the time this is airing, we will be on the cusp of Whiskey Raiders kind of rolling out all of our long form content, all of the kind of the top of the year um, coverage. But in the meantime, like this highlights to me that the best time to be into whiskey was like, 15 years ago and the next best time is now because the world of whiskey is so different and it's changing so crazy fast and honestly in a world where people want to go back in a time machine and just buy pappy frady bucks i think i'd rather be here today because it's interesting it's unique there's so much to try there's always an interesting landscape and you and i can taste tons of whiskey together and then go off our separate ways and come up with mostly completely different lists of the top of the year which i think is pretty cool yeah absolutely i mean I say this with all of my reviews on the site. These are the good old days of whiskey. I mean, the amount of stuff out there now to try is insane. I mean, we're trying whiskey year round and we drink a lot of whiskey to end up with these lists at the end of the year. And ultimately, I just I go back to what I mentioned earlier, like these things don't happen if we don't have a lot of pressure from the market. There needs to be a high demand to force brands to do battle out there and try to release an older, a stronger, a better, a crazier finish, but in a good way. Like, I mean, look at the guys at Barrelcraft Spirits, what they're doing there. Like, these things don't just happen if there isn't a hot whiskey market to land in. So overall, I'm with you, man. I'm totally thankful that A, we get to try all this whiskey. And it's not all fun and games. Like, we try plenty of not-so-hot whiskey, too. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, we did. <laughs> I mean, it's those things happen, right? Whatever. Yeah, they it's do. It's still the good old days of whiskey, though, because even if those brands are something we don't like at all now and we swear we'll never try again i could come back we could be buying 20 barrels from them it could happen man and i mean last but not least i know everyone believes that all of these lists are sponsored by anyone who ever makes it anywhere on there and i would like to say that you had to listen to a minute and a half of terrible amazon ads to hear this podcast and so we can assure you uh, that we were paid not at all to put these uh, lists together so big year crazy year a huge year. I mean, we launched a podcast in 2022. I'm thankful for that. So without further ado, guys, this has been our top of the charts for 2022. If you uh, want to read any of the reviews about these products, I guarantee that John and I have covered them. They're on our websites. You can find more from John at thebourbonfinder.com. He has a great review style. I know you'll love it. As always on whiskeyraiders.com, we have reviews as well as everyone else's scores as well. So you know what's worth checking out, worth picking up. And I would invite you to check out our top of the year coverage that's coming out this week and next week as well. And in the meantime, happy holidays. We've got some fun, lighter episodes coming up as we look at the turn of the year. And I'm going to go drink more, uh, more of this seagrass because it's got me in the mood. And man, that's some good whiskey. You serious, Clark? <laughs> I was actually just watching that last night, believe it or not. Oh, I've watched that so many times. It's great. <laughs> uh, anyway, guys, cheers. Thanks for checking out this episode. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, we will see you on the next one, guys. Thanks for checking out the Whiskey Raiders uh, podcast and drink some good whiskey this holiday season. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers.